How do we handle theological disagreement? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by the Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me is Brian Dembozik. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's it's a chilly fall-like day here in Middle Tennessee. In the springtime. In the springtime, just to yeah. throw us a curveball. It's like Canada spring. It's weird. <laughs> why, yeah, is Canada, my home, why is my homeland invading America this year? Canada spring is like 30 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in Celsius. Only in the morning. It's, it's below freezing. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. It's chilly. It's Negative chilly. one or whatever. I don't know. Uh, somewhere around there. Negative one, negative two. Yeah. So it's cold. See, I'm trying to be carrying in you Celsius in, in your honor. You know, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I feel, um, I feel encouraged. And <laughs> so do you, you know, still think in terms of Celsius and have to translate into Fahrenheit or no, I've had to adapt to, and I'm had, just like, I've been here for five years. So, I'm, you, so I'm Fahrenheit's more natural Fahrenheit. now. Yeah. yeah. So, but whenever I go to Canada, I'm like, yep, let's, uh, when, I, when I've gone to Canada, I had to bring a slide rule to figure out what to set my air conditioning in the hotel room at. That's right. That's so right. I, these are weird numbers. I don't know what it should be. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no one knows for sure. No. But uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. No, 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 we're not. No, we're here to talk about the Bible. And we are, uh, I believe we're zagging back yes. this time. Yes, we're zagging. Uh, we're zagging back into Acts. So, because we keep doing this, we keep going in and out and in and out, and it's great. Um, but, um, but today we are looking at one of these these key moments in yep. the the storyline of Acts and the storyline of Scripture, particularly in the formation of the early church, where we see this this hallmark moment of. Um, the first major church council. Yeah. So fact. we're looking at Acts 15, and this, mm -hmm. it's really the whole chapter 1 through 29. Um, actually, it's 1 through 35. Um, you could kind of narrow that down, and the, the Jerusalem Council proper, you can kind of focus on 6 through 21, but it, it's, it's the bulk of this chapter. And what has happened leading into this is Paul and Barnabas have taken the first mission trip that's over, they're back, they give a report about what's happening in Antioch, the Sending Church. Um, everybody's excited, almost everybody, because yeah, when... There's always some. There's always those people. They, they, I'm sure they had the Twitter back then, and they those did what guys. they do. They, they hear that God was drawing Gentiles. Oh, no, he's drawing How Gentiles to faith. He? Yeah, so they, of course, are not happy about this, and they... Well, we're being unfairly critical. They could have had better hearts in it. Because yeah. their, their point is, wait a minute, if these Gentiles are coming to faith, they need to go through Judaism, basically, my paraphrase. Um, and so they're, to be fair, they yeah. may have had, just because we have the privilege of having theologians who have debated these things, the full counsel of Scripture, more importantly, we can draw from those. They were living it in the moment, trying to figure out this, this transition from the old covenant to the new. So to be yeah. fair, they could have had the best of intentions and in saying, hey, we want to make sure this is done right. Yeah. But we can also think easily because we see 
precedent for this, that they may have come from a posture of arrogance of, right. and the wrong mindset. So whatever it is, again, they're, right. they're concerned. Let's just at say this, it that way. Yeah. And I think at this stage, it's probably best to assume that they were, they were legitimately concerned and confused. Later, where we see more opposition in Paul's ministry, yes. um, those are the ones who are outright being defined. Yeah, who, so and he will address them in his epistles. And those yes. you can, yeah, you, it's, it's much clearer there that they are, no, they should have known better. They're being difficult to be difficult. Yeah. And, and the added difficulty is, is they're coming from the same groups. Yes. So because, you know, in Galatians, for example, he says certain men from James came. Yeah. And some of these guys are some of those same guys. And, so they, yeah. But James had already ruled on this too. So they were they were out of step with him. So the big takeaway <laughs> is don't be a knucklehead. That's always the big takeaway. That's the takeaway. Don't be a knucklehead. Trust in Jesus okay. because he's better. he knows better than you. Good episode. That's it. That's it. Well done, Brian. We we did. <laughs> That's it. what the Jerusalem Council was about. No, it wasn't. That's how they, we handle theological yeah, disagreement. It is. We point back to Jesus and we say, "Quit being knuckleheads to each other." Yes. So now let's actually let's actually be helpful today to our listener, <laughs> who is still listening at this point. The one. the one, the one, and it was great to meet you, the one listener at uh, TGC a couple weeks ago. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh let's let's kick this off by reading uh acts 15 we're gonna do 1 through 29 we're not gonna do the we're gonna skip wow. those last last six verses because I, i'm gonna get tired yeah, i was gonna say so, I'm, I'm gonna go take a nap or something while you do this or that's right run I'm some errands try. i will read as emotively as i can right now <laughs> all right all right so starting at verse one some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas engaged them in a serious argument and debate, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. When they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders gathered to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you are aware that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke upon the disciples' neck that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus in the same way they are. The whole assembly became silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had stopped speaking, James responded, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has reported how God first 
in, intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree with this. As it is written, after these things, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name declares the Lord who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, in my judgment, we should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God, but instead we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from blood. For since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath day he is read aloud in the synagogues. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to select men who were among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, both leading men among the brothers. And they wrote, from the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts, we have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with our dearly loved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that's been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. That's a good letter. That is. It's a good, good, good chapter, as you said, an important chapter and an important moment of clarification for the church. So... You know, as we as we think about what questions it prompts, the first one we've kind of addressed: who are the these certain men? And again, we there's the little bit of the cynical, negative view that they were knuckleheads. There's the more positive view that they were just confused. Either way, we saw in verse 24 in that letter um, that they didn't have authorization and they caused trouble. So whatever yeah. it was that they were prompting troubled the church and had to be addressed. And and again, you think about the big idea: stepping through Judaism to get to Jesus adds something beyond grace to the gospel, yes. which is why it was troubling. And we see that the church re- re- responds, no, we have to preserve grace. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the first question to explore beyond that one that we've already answered is, um, what can we learn from how the church in Antioch responded to this and go all the way back to verse two, how this began? And I just love the model we see here. I think it's, it's a good model for us to follow, um, not prescribe to us, but one that we can learn from and follow. So first, you notice that Paul and Barnabas, or Barnabas and Paul, if you want to use Barnabas first, Mm -hmm. um, entered debate, which connotes some serious discussion or argument. And argument doesn't necessarily have to be ugly. We can use... Yeah, it's not necessarily a shouting match. No, it's... it's, it's, They're debating. They're going back Mm -hmm. and forth and, 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 you know, providing arguments and counter arguments to one another. And that tells me that these men who came down and were causing trouble were not lightweights. That mm-hmm. they could hold their own with, with Paul, especially, and Barnabas, mm-hmm. means that they had either some substance to their debate, their arguments, 
or they just were stubborn. But I think mm-hmm. it means they had substance because that's what prompted the next step. I think had they been stubborn, and you see this in Paul's letters later, I think Paul would have just said, no, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. You guys are wrong. Go away. Yeah. But instead, Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem. They go up the ladder of authority, if you will. And that, to me, shows that there was something of substance in the concerns of these men mm-hmm. who had come to Antioch. And it was enough for Paul to say, we need clarity on this, either because their arguments have some good thought, or they probably are not alone. So let's clarify mm-hmm. this for the good of the church. So yeah. I like this model that the church tries to handle it first directly, and then when they reach kind of a stalemate or something, realize it's more important, it's bigger than this, they go to those who in authority. The, the church, the authority in that time was centered in the church in Jerusalem. So again, I think, you know, we, we can learn from this and say, when we are dealing with things, let's try to deal with them one-on-one first. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, then let's go through authority that God has given us in the local church that we bring in our pastors or elders and, and say, hey, we, we, we're not on the same page here with something. Help us sort through this. But there's this idea of also discussing it and going mm-hmm. back and forth and not just, you know, stopping your ears saying, I'm right, you're wrong you know, my way or, or whatever, really entertain these things and try to understand the, the arguments being proposed and deal with them to come with a good solution. That really is important and something that we, we forget so much. And, and it does extend beyond just the local church. I mean, depending on your ch- the church that you're a part of and their yeah. tradition, you, um, you may have a, there may be a next level of... Um, within your denomination, and then beyond that, we have the we have the the blessed gift that again our our friends that we're talking about in this passage did not have, which is we have we have the the full counsel of God in Scripture, and we have the debates over these things yeah. that have happened throughout the centuries throughout the church. So we have their experience to fall back on as well to see okay where has this already been answered? So and because th- yeah, and some would so we can call that tradition. Mm-hmm. And the word, and some would put those as equal authorities. We right. we would not. We the the word has that is the ultimate authority, but we can learn from tradition, yes, and value it. So we don't dismiss tradition completely. We mm-hmm. turn to it, but the the word of God is the ultimate authority. Correct. And when we look at tradition, what we often see is is that exact that exact thing as well. Is is that. Um, those who were like, so you look at all the different church councils throughout history, um, they were turning towards scripture and saying, yes. what does scripture say again and again and again? And how do I understand this? Yeah. That's what they were trying to do. And that's where, to your point, that's really where we, you know, how do we safeguard our understanding of Jesus being fully God and fully human? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of that, we look at what the councils debated and concluded based on their study of the word of God. And so we would Mm -hmm. be foolish not to look at that and say, Hey, there's, there's meaning here. There's substance. There's something we can learn here. Um, you know, and think of the other issues that have been resolved and so much of the Holy spirit, the teachings of the Holy spirit were so new for the church, the understanding of who the spirit is and what he does. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, yeah, a lot, we, we have a lot of indebtedness to God using the church that's gone before us to help us understand these things anchored in scripture. Yep. And so after, so one of the, so one of the next things that, that is, is a question that we, 
have to discuss because you know after you know after they've gone to Jerusalem, all this kind of stuff, um, they are trying to work it out. Paul speaks up, and so why uh, Paul speaks up? Peter speaks up after hearing all the debates. And he's like, okay, here's where we're at. And he shares, okay, this is what I did. Um, why was he the one to do this? And what was his point in doing this? This is what we see in verses 7 through 11. And so what at this point, Peter was the primary speaker still and the primary leader for the early church. He had been with Christ he was personally taught by Jesus, so his word, so his word carried a lot of weight, and his conduct as a believer with the Holy Spirit indwelling with indwelling him, um, his teaching, his conduct, his life uh, made him very well respected by all who were there. So he had a lot of influence because of this in the right kind of way, and so he was using his influence wisely with the church. And so he draws from what God had taught him back in Acts 10 about God's plan to save the Gentiles. And he makes this critical point, really, in essence, shuts down the debate entirely in the best way possible. And he says, so he says, why would the church place a burden? So that burden being keeping the law on Gentile converts when even the Jews the ones to whom the law had been given couldn't do it. And he says, we could not do this. How in the, how dare we try to put this on someone else? Salvation is by grace alone. That is it. It comes, salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So next we see Paul and Barnabas share some, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it's significant. The question is why, you know, what's significant about them going after Peter, this order? Is there any significance beyond the order it happened? And I think there is. You, mm-hmm. you, you look at what Paul and Barnabas share, and they focus on what they had experienced God do. So mm-hmm. they, they follow Peter and say, hey, this is what we saw God doing. He, he, it was real. We saw Gentiles trusting in Christ. We saw the Holy Spirit or whatever, and they're able to, to provide um, examples of what they'd experienced. Now, here's what is really important for us to, to keep mm-hmm. in mind. They shared this after Peter provided the theological underpinnings. Mm-hmm. Peter appealed to Scripture. Um, he, you know, he said, look, this, think about what Scripture says, and, and James is going to come next, and he's going to kind of point to Scripture as well. That's important because Peter or Paul and Barnabas are drawing mostly from experience, and it's always dangerous if experience is our primary factor in making a decision. Had Paul and Barnabas simply said, we experienced this, we saw this, and the church said, okay, let's do this then, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. They, they could have been correct, yep. but you're, you're basing something on experience, which is a lot easier to misinterpret and misunderstand. And you can't mm-hmm. defend it as well as you can scripture. So it's important. And again, that's why it's here. It does matter. Yeah. We don't discount experiences. As we're sharing the gospel with people, we, we want to tell about our life change, what we've experienced. But we, we anchor our experience to the gospel, to, to what is in scripture, to God's revealed truth in his word. So I think it's really important that, that it happened in that order. Yeah. Um, and we see that. 
Yeah. And then, and so with Peter, with Peter's appeal to, Peter did both, appealing to both his experience and to scripture, largely from a a very high level that it was like, for him, it was, we were given the law. We know the law. We can't do the law. Peter's like, Paul and Barnabas are like, okay, and here's what we've seen God do as we've been preaching. And then we get to James. And James um, kind of wraps up everything, and he again brings us back to Scripture as well. But he does it a little bit differently. So he speaks with authority, and he is bringing this debate to a resolution. We see this in uh, verse 19. Why is he doing this, and what was his point? And so he appeals to—so he first appeals to Scripture, and he— um, backs up what Peter has said and he goes to and he goes to Amos 9 verses 11 and 12 um, which we see in verses 16 and 17 of this chapter and he supports what Peter and Paul and Barnabas have said and he's and he's saying in his finding he's saying do not add any burden to the people we do we should not it would be wrong for us to add additional burden to these brothers and sisters and yet we also know that he is aware that grace is not opposed to is not opposed to works that uh, i mean that's that's a big thrust of his epistle and uh so he says the only things we need to ask them to do are the following just four things abstain from from things that are polluted by idols abstain from sexual immorality abstain from eating anything that's been strangled and abstain from consuming blood but it's also really clear that these are not these are not requirements for salvation. They were um, they were things that were being asked to do for two reasons: one, um, as a proper way to live out their salvation, and also to show kindness and love to their Jewish brothers and sisters in their communities, because they they're talking about from from the earliest days there were people who were who that the law of Moses was was being taught everywhere. So every so it's being scattered, it's been scattered for a long time. And so people have believed according to the law for a long time and so so it's a concession in some ways a concession granted by the Holy Spirit. Um and so and it's basically to avoid Jewish and Gentile issues. Um, is one way to look at it. Another way as well is, is to guide holy, uh, the Gentile believers toward holiness in their culture because, again, those things would have been associated with uh, the worship of false gods. And so it has that dual, it has a dual function there um, to be able to say, for the good of, for the good of your, of Jewish believers, both those who, are from a Jewish background and have trusted in Christ and those who are believers according to the law and yet have not yet embraced Jesus as their Messiah do these things in order to win some for those again for those who are Gentiles who do not know who have not believed the gospel do these things in order to show the difference that the gospel has made in your life and then win some. Yeah. So 
then they kind of conclude this and they all agree mm-hmm. and, and they draft this great letter that mm-hmm. they send back to Antioch and beyond. It's a, mm-hmm. one of the secular, circular letters um, that it was intended to be read by more than, than just the church in Antioch. But notice in verse 28, you know, his final question, what was significant about who they attributed this decision to? Mm-hmm. And in 28, they're very clear. This decision was rooted in the Holy Spirit's guidance. It was not their opinion. Um, it's critical that they explained this is coming from God through us, mm-hmm. not from us. And I think that's one of the reasons why this letter was received so well. Um, it was reasonable. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. it aligned with the gospel. But it's also this is no this is giving us clarity and the authority, the proper authority behind that clarity. And we see that in verses 30 through 35, which we didn't read. Basically, that just summarizes that this letter was received well, was a great encouragement to, to the church. So a high mark of, of the early church as it's dealing with one of these first theological debates that, that it experienced. All right, Brian. So let's, let's tie a bow on this because okay. we've talked for a long time. And um, there's been some good discussion on here, but we haven't gotten to the answer to the question that kicked off this episode. We're going to get to that with this. What kind of guidance can we offer our listeners? Uh, Hopefully there are still at least two. Um, So my plural is correct. But uh, what kind of guidance can we offer those who are working through this passage with others? Yeah, I think the first one, it goes back to the original question is, is how to handle conflict and opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be passive. We talked about this to, to deal with it. And a lot of times we see that in the church today, we see passivity. Uh, we're, we're so afraid of rocking the boat or dealing with something and we let things fester and that's never healthy. It's never good. We need to deal with things and address them, but we also need to do it in the right way. When we do see controversies or conflict dealt with, a lot of times we will see it done wrongly. We'll see it done with anger, with cynicism, thinking the worst of the other. Um, Mm -hmm. And what we need is we need to follow this blueprint that we see in both Antioch and Jerusalem and see that it seemed like there was was an openness to hearing and listening. Um, It wasn't one-sided. It doesn't seem like it was an attempt to shout down the other. It does seem like there was legitimate discussion going on about what was happening, trying to figure out the answer to this big theological question. Another thing that um, this passage uh, this passage helps us with when we're working through others is is this this idea of defending theological tr- uh, defending truth, um, and we see again the model we've talked about this uh, throughout our discussion earlier. But uh, when we are seeking to defend the truth, Scripture is primary. It is the it is the 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 ultimate thing that we point to, but experience is helpful and very important in that as well because it can often because our experiences, um, our experiences do matter, so they may play a secondary role in defense of the truth, but they by no means should be discounted. Yeah. And that, you know, it kind of reminds us of the theological triage that we need to keep in mind. 
Um, and keeping those, we've talked about this before, so we won't go into it in great depth, but it's keeping those primary issues, gospel-centered issues, primary. And those are the ones that are worth dividing over, um, defending at all costs, but then mm-hmm. keeping in mind secondary, tertiary issues and beyond opinions. There's a lot, it, it keeps going beyond that, actually. Mm-hmm. And just keeping them in, in balance and recognizing times where I'm going to yield in a secondary issue at times, in a tertiary issue for the good of the church. And maybe I don't agree with something, but it's okay. Yeah. We, we can just carry on, but those primary issues, no, we're not going to yield on. So keeping that in mind as we navigate these issues and conflicts are, are is critical as well. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, that is a, uh, that's a good note for us to wrap up on. So let's, uh, let's call it an episode. So thanks for chatting today. And thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, Please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.